KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. John Fetterman's stroke was a major focal point during his campaign for U.S. Senate in the fall. Just weeks after he was sworn in, his health was back in the news. This just in to KYW News Radio. Senator John Fetterman is in a Washington hospital for clinical depression. Fetterman checked himself into Walter Reed National Military Center last night. It's worth noting that it was Fetterman's own camp that broke the news about him being admitted to the hospital. He did not try to hide or conceal the fact that he's been dealing with clinical depression for a while, which earned him praise from colleagues and mental health experts. We would always like to hope that when you bring something to the fore like that, it helps other people. Dr. Ann Rosen-Spector has been practicing psychology in Philadelphia for over 40 years. She believes there's no one-size-fits-all way to look at depression, regardless of who it affects. I used to be part of a national group that lobbied in Washington for women's issues, and I met a lot of senators and congresspeople. They would tell me how they're all depressed, but they couldn't seek treatment. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, what are the signs of clinical depression? And could someone prominent like John Fetterman going public about his condition help to further destigmatize conversations surrounding mental health? How significant is this to have not just kind of a public figure, but a very popular public figure kind of proactively uh, announce this? and put it out there. It seems to me this will do a lot of work for people that may be battling it, but they feel a sense of shame and stuff like that. You know, those of us in the mental health field always get hopeful when somebody public announces it. In my experience, it's a short live bump, you know? So many, many years ago, Senator Muskie from Maine, he was also depressed. He was clearly depressed and was treated for it, that didn't really cause a bump. We're very clear that the pandemic has created and exacerbated depression in many people. But of course, part of the problem is getting access to it. So I only know about John Fetterman by what I read in the news, obviously. So I really don't know whether he's had depression his whole life. We do know that when you have a stroke, the stroke physiologically changes you. So the stroke could have called depression, but also once you have a stroke and you realize how hard it's going to be to deal with everything, you know, that can be depressive. So it's not, you know, unifactorial, it's multifactorial. And so I really, I really don't know what his history was. You know, I only know what I read in the papers or here on KYW about John Fetterman. I don't, I really don't know him. He's getting treatment for depression. What would treatment look like? Is it an individual approach depending on the person? So I have to tell you, it was very surprising to hear that he was going to be hospitalized for several weeks. Now, remember that senators have a health package that the rest of us don't have, but it's hard to understand why he would be hospitalized as opposed to have intensive outpatient. So for the rest of the people, I cannot speak about what happens in Walter Reed with the government employees, but generally the only reason that anybody is hospitalized is because they present a risk to themselves or others. So I, I really honestly don't know why he's being hospitalized for several weeks. I, I don't think most people 
I mean, could you have eight hours of therapy a day? I, 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 I never heard of such a thing. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I just never heard of it. Now, when I, I've been in practice for 45 years, I've had people who are very severely depressed. And so I will see them every day. But generally, that seems to hold them. I, I don't know what more they would be doing. For people that have heard the term, but maybe don't have any context, don't quite understand it. Can you kind of explain what falls under the umbrella of depression? It's a great question. And the the boundaries obviously are not tight, you know? So basically depression is considered when you have a pervasive sense of hopelessness, sadness, I'm not worth anything. My life will never be worth anything. I'm not as good as other people. I'm a disappointment to myself. I'm a disappointment to everybody. It's kind of like wearing a 900 ton blanket over yourself. You you just, you, you can't see the world as it is. Everything is much darker. And unlike sadness or bereavement, it's not transitory. Is it something that is just part of kind of your genetic makeup? Is it something that experience can lead to it? So the problem with that is then we do look at families and we see that there's depression through generations. But what we can't do is separate the nature for the nurture. Okay. So there is a component of depression that is physiological. So diseases, medications, circumstances, may alter your body's chemistry. But the way the neurotransmitters work in the brain, we don't actually know what's the right amount for people to have. We don't know what the right amount for you to have. But if it gets off, depression and and or anxiety are likely to be the things that happen. Those are what we call the endogenous causes. They come from within. And we have no way to measure that. So the other thing are what we call exogenous causes. Something happens in your life or a series of things happen in life or a bunch of things don't happen in your life. And you feel like you're never going to get out of this weighty. I'm never going to get even to zero. I'm in the negative all the time. So we don't know how much of it is genetic or physiological, but we do know that for many people, giving them a variety of antidepressant medications will help, but it won't help without therapy because a lot of it is how you think about things and how you perceive things. Do we have an idea what percentage of the population deals with or battles depression? Hi. And here's one of the reasons why we don't know. So for many years, we treated alcoholism and addiction as a disease. But increasingly, we're understanding that what people are doing are self-medicating for depression. So we don't because we don't do a mental status exam like every day, every month, every year on somebody to see when there are changes. So when you have people who grew up in families where things are very difficult and it could be because of socioeconomic or other kinds of obvious answers. And it could be because you're being raised by parents who are depressed and who are giving you, you know, in a sense, messages that replicated in you. We have no way of we have really no way of knowing it. There are a lot of things that we can't measure. 
because there's no way to do it every day, periodically, every week, and to see when a change occurs. But we're much more conscious when it happens to somebody very well known, somebody close to us. A lot of people don't recognize it in themselves because we have childhood depression and it's often undiagnosed and untreated. And so people think that that's their baseline. I work with a lot of people who are adolescents, young adults, even older adults, who, when I take an intensive family history, realize they've been depressed their whole life. They just didn't know it. Because you don't know how somebody else is thinking and perceiving things. You only know how you do it. So everybody's having this interior monologue. And for some people, it's really divorced from reality. But that's their reality. Is depression something you are ever rid of? So there, there, there are two different, you know, sort of levels that we look at depression. One is called dysthymia, and dysthymia is a depression that lasts for a prolonged period of time, years. And then on top of that, we have episodic clinical depression. So when I was talking before about people who had, you know, childhood depression, that that's ongoing. And so they generally come into therapy as young adults or even older adults to treat the clinical depression. So it's like having a heavy weight on top of a heavy weight, but you're used to walking with that heavy weight all the time. So for some people, they will come in and will deal with the specifics of what's depressing them now. And of course, because therapy is voluntary and time consuming, less time consuming now that we can Zoom and you don't have to travel to my office and 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 then travel home again. For some people, once they get done with the clinical depression, they're okay because dysthymia is how they've always seen the world. So think about it like you wear eyeglasses. Supposing they were tinted very light gray and they were always tinted light gray. That's how you see the world. So when it gets too dark for you to see, you come in. But the question is, do you want to go back to the light gray tint you had before? Or do you want us to really clear it up? So some people will spend the time and clear it up. But it's hard because if you have year after year after year of what we consider to be disordered thinking and doing things that make you feel worse, it's a lot to dig out of. But yes, people do resolve and go on with depression. Most people, though, at a certain point go, that's enough. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Ann Rose Inspector right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. We are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Ann Rose Inspector. How much better have we gotten as a society of understanding and having empathy for people dealing with depression. If we're going to look at it through the the lens of politics, we talk about Senator John Fetterman and aside from, you know, the fringes, there's been pretty universal understanding and hope for healing from colleagues and stuff like that and from the general public. And you think back, you know, 50 years ago, you had Senator Thomas Eagleton who was named a vice presidential candidate for George McGovern and I think within two and a half weeks it had come out that he had seek treatment for depression. I think there were some other issues with Thomas Eagleton aside from mental health as well. But the fact that he had sought treatment for depression threw everybody for a loop. I think he lasted on the ticket like three weeks. It seems to me, I mean, 50 years is a long time, but that seems to be progress. 
I do think it's progress. You know, it was well documented when Al and Tipper Gore, when he was a senator, their only son was almost killed and the family was in therapy. And in a sense, even though it was not an enlightened time, you couldn't fault a family for going into therapy because their son almost died. I think he ran across the street after a football game and was badly injured. And so Alan Tipper Gore, when they were in the White House, you know, as vice president, second lady, they were really working toward mental health and any of the mental health, you know, programs that were passed under Clinton, a lot of it was for, for the Gores, you know, understanding of it. But, you know, that was obviously for mental health people in general, the hope that Gore would be president because he would really bring it to the forefront. And even though people made fun of other people for their mental health, because it was with their child, it was kind of like off base. They couldn't do that. It's interesting. I used to be part of a national group that lobbied in Washington for women's issues. And I met a lot of senators and Congress people. And in one-on-one, they would tell me how they're all depressed, but they couldn't seek treatment because it would be a backlash, especially for Congress people, because they're always running for office. So I, I think that, you know, what we always hope is that people will see two things. One, that they're, they don't have to feel that way forever, but they're going to have to seek out the help. Nobody is going to come in and pick you out. And two, it's it's going to be work. You know, one of the things I think that's frustrating for all of us who are therapists in any way, shape or form is that we see people who could get better, but they, they don't want to put in the work. And you think if you only did this, if you tried a little bit harder, but One of the things I learned when I was in training many years ago, which didn't really resonate with me, but resonates with me now, you can't want more for somebody else than they want for themselves. And for some people, they just want a a Band-Aid on the current crisis. So I do hope, we always hope that people will see, yes, you don't have to feel that way. You don't have to self-medicate. You don't have to have six marriages because none of them work. Six marriages don't work. I think at some point you have to think maybe I'm doing something that I could do differently or I'm choosing the wrong people or I'm destroying the marriage internally. So, yes, we would always like to hope that when you bring when you when you bring something to the fore like that, it helps other people. And at least what I read about John Fetterman, he's a pretty open guy. You know, he's, he seems to be very open about many things. And I hope he will continue to be you know, once he's feeling better. And like all of us, I hope he's feeling better and sustains his growth. But I hope he will continue to be an advocate. But for most people in Washington, they're not going to they're not going to get the help. To that point, do you think this move by Fetterman could help some of those other people feel more comfortable coming forward? This could open the door a little bit for other, you know, leaders and politicians. Yeah, we always hope it will. But, you know, I think it's going to depend a lot on what your constituency is and what will fly. You know, do you come from a state in which there are a lot of educated people and people are open to this or whether people still, you know, name call you if you admit that you're depressed? You know, do they do they call you weak? Do they call you a weakling? You know, so I'd hope that they they will. But Remember, it's very easy for people to get treatment. I mean, the whole basis for treatment is confidential. 
John Fetterman decided to go public. But, you know, the ethics of our profession and HIPAA mean that, you know, if the president of the United States is in treatment, who's going to tell? And especially now that you can do it through Zoom or, you know, another platform, you don't have the same issue of, you know, tracking somebody's visits in and out of the White House or Congress or your senatorial office. I mean, it's easier than ever. And and that's the silver lining of the pandemic, because before that, we were not allowed to do it this way. We wouldn't get reimbursed. But that's passed. And so now that there's even more privacy, because you don't have to leave your own home or your own office to do it, and because of the confidential inherent in the field, I do hope that more people get it. But I think for some people, they're still afraid it's going to get out. And and depending on who their constituents are, I think it's still not going to fly. Do you think we've come further when it comes to the public being understanding and accepting or people dealing with depression, lowering the barriers and seeking help? On which front do you think we've made more progress? Yeah, that's a hard one to answer because obviously one of the problems is access to care. Somebody has to pay for it. And, you know, one of the things that you realize is that for many people who don't have health insurance, getting care means they're going to go to a community care clinic and they're very underfunded. And that's that's a problem. I mean, you have other things like, you know, television shows. Somebody was one of my patients is asking me the other day what I thought of the therapist in The Sopranos, which is, of course, you know, is a television experience. You know, people have come in and talked to me about Dr. Phil, who is not actually practicing therapy, but he's a television show. But, you know, there have been so many television shows and movies. And, you know, generally, Therapists are concerned because the way we're portrayed in the media, we're diabolical, we're controlling, we're even sicker than the patient, you know. But I think the fact that it's part of the lexicon now, you know, that people realize that help is available. I don't have to feel this way. If I have disordered thinking, somebody can help me untangle it a little bit and maybe a lot. And and so the idea of having hope, I think that that bar keeps rising a little bit, I hope. But we've seen it go up and then it goes back down again. Now, it'll be very interesting when Senator Fetterman comes back to the to his office, you know, how they treat him, et cetera. I mean, because he came in at a weird time anyway, you know, with, you know, he had had a stroke and, you know, he's a junior senator. Obviously, the Democrats need every vote they they can have in the Senate. So we will expect that the Democrats will be very supportive. Will the Republicans be supportive? I'd have no idea. If we had a very prominent Republican senator who went into treatment, that to me would be a bigger statement than having a Democratic senator. And just if anybody's listening to this and feels like they might be battling or not sure if they're feeling some of the things that we talked about, what's kind of the first step if someone wants to try to find help? So I think that there are a variety of things that can be first steps. First of all, if you have a primary care physician and you have a relationship with that person, that person probably has access to people. I think all of us in the mental health field, we have doctors who are referred to us for years and we work well with that doctor. 
A second thing would be to go through your friends and friendship network and family network. You know, a lot of us see people, you know, sometimes I'll have six people who are friends with each other. One came, then they invite another one, then they invite another one. So here, I know this person, this person is helpful. So getting a recommendation from a doctor, a lawyer, a clergy person can be very helpful as well as friends. The other thing is that if you have insurance, then you go to your insurance, you know, website. And that will list the people who take your coverage in, in, you know, the vicinity. But again, because of Zoom, like I have people all over Pennsylvania who would never be in my office. They're never going to be in my office. They live, some people live in Pittsburgh, but they come. And then if you have no insurance, and I think you're looking at the community mental health centers, but I think starting with your doctor, I think most doctors are very attuned to this, but my big caveat is if you go to a doctor and they are just going to give you medicine and not encourage therapy, antidepressant medication, anti-anxiety medication are not cures. They're what we call palliative treatments. They lower the symptoms, but you still have to deal with what's causing you to be depressed and making choices that are making you more depressed. So medication without therapy is not very useful. It would be like if you had took medicine for strep throat and they told you to take 10 pills and you took three, it's not going to cure your strep throat. Your you'll, strep throat will probably resolve on its own, but it's just going to take a lot longer. So medication is geared to do a certain way. Therapy is very effective, way more effective than just medication alone. But for many people, that's all they're going to do. So they're really going to keep replicating the same mistakes they made before, which is going to increase their depression, not decrease it. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.